Count me down. Welcome to Disaffected, not from dystopian Burlington, Vermont, but from Ravina, New York. The show where we talk about politics, culture, and relationships through a psychological lens. And the one episode in which we are all stoned. Merry Christmas. We have... Yeah, you can... Uh, Kevin's talking in my ear. You can tell it's it's disaffected Christmas by the blue lights, you see? All right. I do want to be a little bit serious. We're going to have a lot of fun on this episode, and we have some special surprise guests, and yes, they're people you actually haven't seen before, I promise. So, um, a lot has gone on this week. We're going to talk later, actually, I'm going to spoil it for you a little bit. Uh, one of our returning guests will be Christopher Aaron Felker, and we're going to talk about the Colorado Supreme Court decision that took Trump off the presidential ballot uh, in 2024. and stayed its own ruling within the ruling. Let me not anticipate that conversation. But the other thing that I want to talk about this week is probably predictable to those of you who watch the show. <clears throat> Regularly, the Senate sex tape. For those of you who don't know, um, a staffer for Senator Ben Cardin, and the staffer's name is Aiden, and I cannot remember partially because I don't care because it's the Christmas episode and his name is Aiden and that's all you need to know. <laughs> but also it doesn't matter. Um, a, a young staffer, I think he was 24 years old, young gay man, filmed himself having full-on adult relations, the fullest possible kind of adult relations, bent over a table in a Senate hearing room. And the guy he was partnering with was filming this. And of course, I don't know if you would call it a leak. I don't, here, here's, here's the thing. It is so foreign to me, the frame of mind that so many young men like this, and this, he may be extreme, but this is not a rarity among young gay men, okay? But the frame of mind, that I'm going to film porn of myself and I'm going to trust some trick, some one night stand, some hookup to film it of me. And I'm gonna film it in a public place that's recognized. This is so foreign to me. I, I, it is almost impossible for me to get into this mindset intuitively. And I was, as many of you know, a young party boy in my day. I was, out doing drugs and drinking and hooking up with guys. I participated in that promiscuous gay culture and it's always been promiscuous, always. But the, to the degree that it is today is, is something I never could have predicted. And it's been, it's been normalized. I mean, watching people talk about this and, 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 and seeing actual grown-up people. I mean, I expect this from leftists now, but I can st I'm, st I'm still capable of being shocked. The, the number of people that will actually say that criticizing this is an act of shaming or homophobia is astonishing to me. So a couple of things. Obviously, I wrote something about this on Substack and I said, homosexuals, this is a tipping point. And I won't go through the whole essay, obviously, but 
my it was my advice to other gay men, and my advice was please don't, for your own good and for the good of society, don't call people bigots, don't react defensively to this, do not defend this because it is indefensible. It's 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 obscene. It's indefensible. And people saying that it's indefensible and obscene are not being homophobic. They're being decent people. Um, that didn't go over well with the gays, a lot of them, as you can predict. Um, but th the other part of this that I want to talk about, and then we're going to bring in our first guest, is, is actually the psychology behind this. What is going on in a young man's mind like this that leads him to this low place? And I don't, I know, I know I'm going to sound, I know that I do actually sound prudish on in this area. Um, but again, you know, not, I'm much more prudish now than I used to be. I've seen, I've lived in this culture. I know these people. I, I was among these people in most ways, not to this extreme, but I was a young man who was promiscuous like this. So it's, I'm not coming in and wagging my finger from the outside, having had no experience of it. Um, it's, it's a hedonistic, unhealthy lifestyle. It's unhealthy physically. It's unhealthy mentally and emotionally. But why? What is going on that would bring somebody to this? And when you look at this young man, Aiden, who it, I would say has, has ruined his career prospects, um, I'm, and I don't even say that out of relish. Um, everybody gets the consequences they choose, but I'm not even sure if he's ruined his career prospects now. Uh, maybe he will become a featured writer at Pink News or uh, some rag like that, or The Advocate. Maybe you guys will hire him. But that's not the only pornographic thing he's done. And if you take a look at his social media, he's pictures of himself with other senators, with other elected officials in official settings, selfies he's taking of himself, where he's writing in te little text messages saying things like, I want to suck Senator so-and-so's fingers. The level, both the level of sexual intensity that is so pervasive in this young man's mind that he has erased all boundaries between his personal and private life and his professional life and his professional life in one of, in, a, in a very public way, you know, working for elected officials in Washington, D.C. But the, uh, I see father hunger. I don't know this young man's background. I don't know his life. Um, I'm sure we'll find out more about it soon. But I look at that and I look at a lot of young gay men who are that sexually driven and who are that sexually driven with older men. And I see father hunger because I know who these men are. I know who these boys are. I was one of these boys. I'll be shocked if that young man had any father figure in his life or any father figure worth the title. And that absence of fathers in the home and decent fathers and the ones who are there are often shiftless layabouts or they're violent and abusive. It's, this is 
you see this in young women too, promiscuous young women and promiscuous young gay men. The psychology is very, very similar. There's differences because, because of the sex differences, but the neglect and the abuse, I mean, you know, you're looking at the consequences of childhood neglect and abuse. Some of it is sexual abuse, not all of it. I wasn't sexually abused as a child, but it turns out the same way. And so while this young man deserves whatever consequences he gets for his appalling bad choices, I'm not excusing it. But when I look at the explanation, the likely explanation, I have to say that there is, I feel a sense of tragedy. I do actually feel some sadness. I think it's tragic. And um, there's a lot more of it out there than we usually see. So that's what I have to say about that. So Merry Christmas from Disaffected. <laughs> Let's bring in our first guest, um, Brentley from Dangerous Rhetoric Podcast. Merry Christmas, homo, how are you? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous, faggot. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. I've, I've, I rambled on for a while. I'd like to hear what you think about this. Um, and don't, if you think about it completely differently and you think I'm off my nut, come give it to me. No, I, I think you're pretty spot fucking on. Uh, it's, you know, kind of, it's tragic for sure. Um, but we were we had a conversation on a live stream uh, from last Sunday where we were talking about. Yeah, it I'm and, sorry I couldn't and, join you for that. I'll it's I'll all catch good. up we're on do, it. We're gonna have lots of these things. We're doing spaces. There's plenty of time. Uh, but we were the consensus sort of comes down to that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> audio listeners. Uh, I guess I didn't realize we have the oh, video. My. We are oh, showing. My. It is blurred. Oh my god. His back looks great. This, okay. <laughs> I mean. Listen to your filthy mouth, you fucking whore. <laughs> it's the truth. He's got a great back. But honestly, like, if you're going to do this, first of all, you don't take a video. You never film yourself doing the oh, crime. Uh, Kevin, don't you think that's enough? I think that's enough. Thank you. <laughs> I really do. <laughs> Second of all, like, we, he's probably done a lot of things like this and never received negative feedback for it. Yes. Entire. So it's probably just been a lot of sort of a positive feedback loop where he would be more and more outrageous and, and thing in, you know, and he would just get the yes queen from the DC gays who think it's just the cutest thing since sliced bread or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I definitely would agree with you. There is a father hunger or as I like to think of it as daddy issues. Yeah. In the gay community, I've seen it again and again and again and again. Um, and a lot of it stems from either absentee fathers or feckless fathers that sort of just like are there, but just sort of have a hands off approach to raising the kid. And a big thing with fathers is that they have to uh, raise their sons and, and teach the sons self-discipline to control that sexual impulse because – Yes. And then especially the sexual impulse is very, very strong. Yep. And women don't, they, they can't understand it because they don't nope. have the experience. And it requires a older male who's gone through it, who's already sort of, you know, learned to control that impulse or to, to sort of impart the wisdom to the next generation and encourage this kind of stuff to not happen. And it's, he obviously didn't get that wisdom imparted. In fact, he got the... 
Yep. Reminds me of uh, the behavior that happens in some people who have uh, childhood sexual abuse. Yeah, it is exactly the same out. behavior. This and so, and and it's also it. This also affects girls. I mean, this is also the pathway um, that that gets young girls started on on being sluts like this. And this is this is just slut behavior. It's cheap slut behavior. Um. And it's it looks really bad on us. You know, we are gay men, but, you know, we're relatively small time creators having conversations to relatively small audiences. Yeah. This guy goes viral. You know, he's top of all the major media, you know, and this is what the, you know, consensus perception of what homosexuality you know, it goes out there and it's like, oh, like it just looks really bad. And granted, you know, maybe it is a little bit more of an honest look at a lot of the sort of homosexual lifestyle that gets kind of just a pass because we don't have to see it. You know, here now it's being thrown into our face and it's like, this is what a lot of gays do. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. And, 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 you know, and I know I, I, well, I, I don't, yeah, I do know. Um, I know that there's going to be some pushback on this conversation from some gay men. There's already a couple of loyal audience members who unfortunately take this really personally when this topic comes up. And it's, you know, it's not being directed at anybody personally. And I'll give you the not all, you know, this is not every gay man's experience. But listeners, audience members, gay, straight, I don't care who you are. This is not the minority experience. Most gay men know are not going to be this extreme. You're not going to see the sex tape. But this behavior, the the drug-fueled sex, the the extraordinary promiscuity, the I hate the modern term, but the body counts in the hundreds or thousands. This is not one out of 10 gay men. I don't know how much it is, but this is pretty much the cultural mainstream. And it's always been that way, but it's gotten it's gotten Worse. I mean, some of the things I saw in bars in New York City when I was going out in the 1990s, some of the things I did in bars that I certainly wouldn't advise anyone to do now, I thought that was extreme. I thought the, I mean, the tales from the generation behind me of the bathhouse scene in the 70s was extreme. But the fact that this is now on tape, Brentley, like it's like it's just normal to film this. It's normal to do this in a Senate hearing room. It's just normal. And did you see his response? Did you did you see this kid's response when he pushes back on social media? I would never do anything to I don't I'm paraphrasing, but it was very close to I would never do anything to unprofessional to desecrate or blah blah blah. And I'm like, what you just did. What do you think this is? And then, you know, I'm being shamed for my sexuality. No, you're being shamed for being a whore. That's just it. You know, it's the horror behavior and it's the willingness to, you know, record the horror behavior and to brag about the horror behavior. Like he puts stills from that, you know, video session, whatever, on Snapchat, like and he wasn't hiding that he did it. You know, again, he oh, never he's thought, not he's not hiding anything. Right. Exactly. Like this is his moment to, you know, start the OnlyFans is what we were joking around in, in the, the stream because. And what else is he going to do for income. money? What else is he going to do for money now? Now he has to be a prostitute. I mean, he did this to himself, but it yeah. is, it, it, is it not also tragic? It is tragic. It's, I don't want to see uh, this happen to young yeah, men. Yeah, well, 
No, it's it's a terrible thing that this is where we are as a culture, where it's just sort of like whatever goes, and you know, like there's a, a, a sort of tacit level of this acceptance, and you see it from the left, but mostly I would say this is more representative of like urban gays and like especially the like urban uh, leftist left leaning gays, where they have that sort of anything goes godless attitude. Oh, you You're should find. Yeah, yeah, yes, yes. In in the Midwest, in the suburbs, you know, out there in rural, you know, parts of the country, there are gays that are much more conservative and would never be caught doing anything like this and are appalled, you know, that they're they're, they're yes. like in the same category as people like Aiden whatever Kristoffsky. <laughs> It's it's like Maisie Kurstovsky or something crazy. It's like it's of course it's a double barreled surname. Of course of it course. is. Of course, yes. Um, but it, <laughs> you know, and it's definitely being sort of like weaponized as like an op. And you know, it, it comes at a time in the news cycle when all this other stuff is happening that's so much more important. You know, so much is happening at the Supreme. Anyway, six cases. And, uh, you know, the Colorado thing where they're just trying to get Trump off the ballot or, you know, what like trying to make it look like they got him off the ballot, but they didn't actually get him off. It's such a crazy time that this comes in just to like, you know, shake things up and make remind everybody like, oh, look what the faggots are doing. Like the faggots are, <laughs> they're fucking in, in the Capitol. <laughs> yes, yes. Faggots are fucking in the Capitol. That's what this says to me. It's like, oh God. All right, let's. That's enough of that. Thank you for talking about it with me. But let's stop disgusting everybody. No problem. um, By the way, I wanted to say your hair looks amazing. I love the fresh cut. Thank you. Jealous. I'm all scruggly, dustious over here, but you look very fresh. Looks great. Well, thank you. it's this barber shop here in Kevin's town. I needed a haircut. Obviously, everybody's been watching the show has probably been saying the gel gets thicker the longer I go between haircuts. So, um, I just I stopped at this barber shop and I, I, I just this this was really really gratifying. I'm at this barber shop. This is a small working class blue collar town. Um, you know, there's pictures of World War II heroes up on, you know, uh, memorialized on on telephone poles. So this is small town upstate New York, conservative, blue collar, um, the kind of place that I grew up in and that I hated and felt like an outsider and I felt ostracized. Some of which was true, but a lot of which was just self-generated shit in my head that wasn't wasn't true. The kind of this is the kind of place I ran away from. I wanted to run away and go to New York City live some kind of glamorous life. So back here now, I feel much more comfortable here. But I go into this barber shop and there's like six guys ahead of me. There's two people working, um, two barbers, one man, one woman. Um, but they're churning them out really quick. Uh, but it's it's very blue collar, manly man place, right? And I'm not a manly man. So, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm not like, oh my God, I felt threatened or nothing like that. But I was just like, you know, you know, I don't feel, you know, sort of, never mind. It doesn't matter. People start talking and they start talking about 
the intrusion of the state, particularly New York State, because this is one of the most dictatorial states. Talk about the intrusion of government regulating every single bloody small thing you do in your private life, your personal life, your business, your this, that, and the other thing. You're talking about, you know, the, the, they're extending seatbelt laws. They're giving tickets to adults who don't wear them in the back seat now. I mean, it's, it's just this never-ending creeping nonsense. And I, I actually jumped into the conversation a few times and, you know, offered some, you know, yeah, I'm down with you on that. Um, and the, the woman cutting my hair, she says, so what do you, you know, what do you do? And what are you down here for? And I'm here to visit my friend Kevin. Well, what do you do? And I said, well, we make a, a, a talk show, a podcast together. Other barber... Um, immediately whips around. He's like, podcast? What's your podcast? I'm a really big podcast guy. I love podcasts. He's like super into it, right? And I'm thinking to myself, hmm, how do I tell him that I'm, (laughs) that when he turns it on, he's going to get Paul Lind, right? (laughs) But I just said, um, it's, it's a podcast where I talk about how Everything woke is making everything good about American life go to shit. And I kid you not, I'm not making this up. The entire place started whooping. They were all like, yeah, 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 what's the name? What's it? I'm like, oh my God, wow. <laughs> um, they all want to know about the show. So I guess we're going to have some new uh, disaffected viewers. And if any of you all at the barbershop actually happen to watch this, um, you're, 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 well, you're getting a lot of homosexual faggotry this week because we're having fun and it's a Christmas episode and there's a lot on it too. But this is actually a serious show. Don't be put off by it. Um, so um, anyway, that was my barbershop story. Thank you. Bef- before we close this out though, don't you have a story about some rutting deer that we need to talk about? Oh yeah. We, so I live out on a barrier Island and we have a lot of deer out here and they came right up to the house on the backyard. I got some pretty good video of them. I gave it to Kevin. I don't know if you can pull it up, but uh, don't play the audio Kevin with me too. Cause it's got radar barking. <laughs> I'm going to put it in radar is because I think out it was a Verizon there. download sort of uh, thing and I couldn't get it from my phone. Yeah, we're gonna see. We're gonna yeah, see if we can get it in there. But t- the tell us the story. Uh, it was just basically we have you know deer out here and they they came over. They they they're big. They're these big animals. We have fences that go around the property. They're like six feet high, but the deer just sort of like pop right over. And I got a pretty good shot of them popping over the the. They were bucks, fence. right? Yeah, two big bucks, and they both are probably like twelve or sixteen point bucks. They're huge animals. And radar was just like, let me at him, let me at him, let me at him. So it's just, I'm like, no, because <laughs> when they when they rut, when they get horny, they will be aggressive, and like usually they'll run away from radar. They just let, and he loves to chase them, and I let him. <laughs> but when they rut, they'll stand their ground and they'll point their horns at the dog, and that would uh-huh. that, that would end him pretty quick. <laughs> so I gotta keep him away. from See how men are. Very aggressive. Very aggressive. <laughs> fun well are you staying in are you staying in for christmas you going anywhere 
Uh, should go home to see the fam. We'll see what ends up happening. I got to check the status of my car because we had a little flood situation. Oh. It may be totaled. It may be fine. I don't know because, again, I'm on a barrier island, so my car is parked oh. in a parking lot on How long do you have land. to wait until you find out? Tomorrow. I'm going to go check it out tomorrow. Okay. All right. I'll be pulling and for you. No if, damage. If it's, if it's good, I'll go home on Sunday, and if not, uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe I can get rental. Maybe not. Who knows? But I was going to go home and stay with the fam. Uh, but I just saw them for Thanksgiving, though. So if I get stuck here, it's not that big of a deal. I'm very comfortable hanging out with the pupper on the island. It's very pretty out here. It sounds ni- It sounds really nice. It does. All right. It's a little chilly, you know, but it's great. I love it. Brentley, thank you very much for joining us for our Christmas episode. Thanks oh, no for problem. Playing. Merry Christmas to all. And to all, a good night. Okay. Merry Christmas to you, too. Take care. can't get enough of our love baby that's because you're not subscribed move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode we put out audio only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform so make sure you subscribe today looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is put it where my mouth is Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more. And all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com slash disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. Welcome back to our Christmas stravaganza. Joining us is good friend of the show, Christopher Aaron Felker, chairman of the Burlington Republican Party, and our very good friend. Hi, Christopher. Hi, Josh. Thanks for having me. Merry Christmas. And Merry Christmas, Kevin. Who'd you bring? Uh, we're here with Betty White tonight. This is Betty White. <laughs> Hi, Betty. Yeah, she's a big ham. Her kids are back there sleeping. I'm hoping that and the audience... Her grandfather. We'll get the, uh, when I love it when she does the proprietary paw. <laughs> when she smacks me in the face. <laughs> yeah, she's like, pay attention to me, pay attention to me. <laughs> yeah, 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 Betty, isn't that right? You go girl, right? All right, so let's yeah. do the... So Mr. Kevin let, got a new dog. Uh, yeah, he did. Um, and I think yeah. we either already met it in the show or are going to meet it in the show, but since we're filming everything out of sequence, I have no idea what's going on. Also, I'm a little bit stoned. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> now. <laughs> um, I actually do want to do a little bit of serious talk with you because I'd, I'd like your read on, on this story this week. So the Colorado Supreme Court issued a ruling kicking Donald Trump off the 2024 presidential ballot which is astonishing enough, but then right in their own ruling, they stayed their ruling pending a Supreme Court review. 
and I have some thoughts about why this is going on and, and what it's like, but I'd like to hear what you think first. Tell us, how do you, what do you take out of that? Okay, so let's address two things here. Let's address um, the ruling first and then the stay. Um, so the ruling is absurd in its in its um, in its in its foundations because it is p- operating under the presumption that Donald Trump has been uh, convicted of insurrection. Uh, that is something that has not happened. That's completely fictitious. Um, insurrection is actually defined by the U.S. Criminal Code. It's uh, insurrection and rebellion. And um, Donald Trump, out of all the charges that he has faced so far this year, something like 90 charges in four yeah, I think it's 91, yeah. Yeah, none of them, none of them were for the um, insurrection. None of those charges were yeah. that Donald the- Trump had engaged in an insurrection at all. And so there's no way to, in, in this system of government that we have here, you do not punish somebody for a crime they have not been convicted of, n- let alone charged right. with. So on its base, it's patently absurd. Uh, the stay comes from they know that they're absurd. The vote is even absurd. It's four to three. So it's, re- you know, it was right da- on a hairline. You know, one person yeah. was the deciding. Um, they know it's absurd. They know the Supreme Court has to intervene because they are establishing a precedent that is unconstitutional and dangerous. It is at its face um, that virtue signaling performance art that we've talked about multiple times before coming from a state Supreme Court. And it's intended to have other lefty state Supreme Courts engage in this little square dance. That's it. That's further. The intent here is to further delegitimize the Supreme Court because uh, that's what the communists want. Yes. And and I I, I'm gratified because your mind went in the same place uh, mine did uh, about this. I mean, first of all, yeah, the fact that he hasn't actually been convicted of insurrection, right? And and my understanding, I'm not obviously a legal scholar, and uh, the law I do know is, you know, not this particular <clears throat> uh, pathway, but insurrection well first of all wasn't the 14th amendment written to stop confederate officers from uh from being elected public office do i understand that right that was the yes that was the original intent the the time that the 14th amendment was passed that was the reason behind it absolutely there's also i mean we can get into the real meat and potatoes of the 14th Amendment and the um, the finer points of the rulings that took place in the ruling that took place in rulings that took place in Colorado. But, um, you know, because some uh, the 14th Amendment, you know, it's, it's very clear who, uh, they enumerate the offices that are banned, people yep. who are banned from holding office, and they deliberately exclude um, president and vice president. Okay. Now, yeah. some people on the left argue, well, it's 
because it's obvious that those are included and others are other scholars are absolutely unconvinced by that for multiple reasons. And this kind of makes sense because these officers are elected by the by the entire population. And so if they would there would be no need for an insurrection at that level of government, you would worry about them being in a tier below those two higher offices right. because they could wage a coup at that point. So that's the fear, I believe, okay. from the original intent on that. This uh, is, and again, th- misinterpreted. At the so the um, Colorado Supreme Court deliberately misinterpreted. And at one point, they del- intentionally completely disregard Supreme Court precedent on this subject and say, well, we're unconvinced by this. Well, what do you mean you're unconvinced by this? You're a state Supreme Court. Wait, they're unconvinced by what? By United States Supreme Court precedent that uh, was ruling that these offices are not, that these offices are included. Greenwald does a great job explaining it early uh, in an earlier episode this week, too. Good. Yeah. It's absurd on every single level. What really? But the intent what, is clear to delegitimize yeah. the court, and that we see yeah. a pattern of that behavior I, over and over again. Yep. Okay. Okay. I am breaking in. I am breaking in. We, okay. you and I, can talk right over each other because we both love to do this for hours and hours and hours. <laughs> um, what really distur- disturbs me about this is that it, in my view, is intentional, conscious theater on the part of the court. And I mean theater in the cheapest possible sense, because they know, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we can't know, no, but it strikes me as highly unlikely that the Supreme Court is going to side with them. The Supreme Court's going to toss that out. I mean, new normal, anything's possible now. But it is, and I, and I really, it's hard to even talk about this because people don't take these words seriously anymore. They... It's all ironic. It's a joke. You're a fuddy-duddy. There's something wrong with you if you actually sincerely talk about the dignity of the courts, right? The gravitas, the the seriousness. You know, the they have to in order for the courts to represent anything effective, they have to be above suspicion and above reproach and they certainly have to be above gutter theater. And this looks like gutter theater to me. I can't believe they've lowered themselves this far. Yeah, it's extremely disappointing. Uh, again, virtue signaling performance art, it seems to be uh, the common currency among society today. And remember, what does the Supreme Court represent? The Supreme Court represents the uh, constitutional civil liberties and the principles <clears throat> and the guarantee that the government can't um, trample those. They are the last the last pillar in democracy, the last defenders of freedom and liberty. Yep. And we know that many of our opponents on the other side of the aisle or spectrum, um, they disregard and have no, um, no reverence for the Constitution or for civil liberties entailed in it. Because though the Constitution guarantees us liberty, and what's liberty? Freedom, freedom of thought. Um, our, our leftist counterparts, yep. they don't want that. They want collectivism. They want you to follow the crowd. They want you to repeat their talking points. When the talking points change tomorrow, and you're repeating yesterday's talking points, that and 
then you're cast out. You do not. You are not allowed that individuality and that freedom of thought or right. or expression. And and this and should that's and what the Supreme Court yeah, represents. And, and it should. And this should. You know, we should never have gotten to this. This kind of thing should never have gotten as far as it has. It should not have penetrated so far as to get into our actual, you know, state Supreme Court system. It's a, a sign of the times. Christopher, we got to wrap this segment up, but thank you. Thank Betty White. And I wish you a really, really Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. You have a great day. We'll see you soon. Can't get enough of our love, baby? That's because you're not subscribed. Move that thumb over to the great big old subscribe button on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. We put out audio-only exclusive content that you won't get on any other video platform, so make sure you subscribe today. Looking for a non-woke place to put your money where your mouth is? Put it where my mouth is. Disaffected supporters get access to our private Discord chat server, backstage episode recording sessions, surprise guests, and more, and all it takes is $10 a month. You've got two options. Either Substack, visit us at disaffectedpod.substack.com, or go over to subscribestar.com disaffected. Remember, choose the $10 level or higher for Discord access. guest tonight and um i'm sorry it's not my mother (laughs) over to you kevin (laughs) it's my mother (laughs) and father from uh upstate new york um do you do you see do you see how deprived see i'm the victim here i didn't have a father and i have to be on this show with Kevin, and like he just, he just is parent privileged. All day I've been supporting him bringing his mother on the show, and (laughs) it's not like I haven't Oh, supporting me bringing my mother on the show, yeah, like like that, that really sounds like an idea that I would have. (laughs) He just wants to do it to fuck with me, that's it. I want to do it for clicks. <laughs> Where my money at? <laughs> so this is this. I, you, I introduce my, your parents. This Kevin. is my mom Judy and my dad Richard Hurley. Um, and I should have had the dog on for this segment. Um, I just get a dog, and I was going to introduce it, but I guess I'll have where to do is that. the dog? Does, that mean, does he have the Tommy. dog? Well, let's get it. In, uh, uh, Tommy, if you're within earshot, can you bring the dog, <laughs> who might be named Vector? Dog doesn't have an official name. This dog is adorable. Adorable. All right. So while we're waiting for the dog, um, <laughs> Judy, <laughs> I think you have a story to share with our audience, don't you? Oh, for Christmas? I do. You have two. I do. I do. I, I have many. It's hard. It's just hard to streamline it all. But um, when when Kevin met you and things for the show started rolling along he would keep us informed on what was going on and the first this was like show before or two production we this is when we were just planning it before we even did what you're saying right 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 mm-hmm. in the first couple of shows um 
like we would forget about it. Um, we we aren't really technologically savvy, so it was like, oh, Sunday night, oh, ten o'clock, we missed it. Sorry. The first show I heard, Josh, I was hearing in my head that one. he was saying mothers are the reason their sons become gay, <laughs> and I heard that. I looked at Rich, and I said, it's my fault, Kevin's gay. <laughs> and my, my heart went down to my stomach because for a while, I don't know how parents are now, but for a while, everybody felt guilty. What did I do? And Kevin was like, oh, you guys didn't do anything. You didn't do anything. I, I, and then I had like no idea. I had no idea. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm working on this new project. I'm like, check it out. <laughs> Sorry, what? And I thought he... It was his way of telling me that it was my fault he was gay. So I, I have not. I'm not exactly not, a soft yeah. introduction either, am I? It's definitely no, Irene's no, fault. No, no. You were very blunt and very, I know I'm right. So if you don't oh. agree, that's really too bad. My microphone has yeah. been off. It was a I was... disheartening. I said, no, it was really Irene's fault, but my microphone had yeah. fallen. Just... <laughs> See, that's the thing. Like, I've, I've told you this. I've told you this, Judy, um, when, uh, like in person when we've talked. Um, it's, a, it's a really impossible, it's almost an impossible topic to talk about because there's, it's, it's impossible to talk about in a way that it, it's very hard for people to understand the nuance of it, right? So like I do have I do have some suspicions about the relationship in most cases, not all, but most, um, relationship between a certain kind of family dynamics and the outcome of sexuality in kids. And yeah, I do. I mean, I'm open to being proven wrong. Well, plus it's like, but, but, but. You see You it. can't say, it's very hard to talk about. Like you, the reaction that you had is completely understand. I understand it. A lot of people have that reaction. It it sounds like an accusation. It's not. And it and I just it's 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 a funny story now because your mom thought that you were sending that to her in order to convey that message. I and that's not the case. I thought it was funny at the time. I mean, it's you know it wasn't funny. I'm sure for you at the time. But like when I found out, like I never I never even. Uh, I never even thought about that. It's just like content, content. This is content that I'm working on. This could be like a Fox shot or this project or this, you know, you know right. other projects. So I just like pass them off. But like, um, it took me a long time to screw up the courage to call. Because of percentage of people I should have. I should have just. I should have just showed up with Josh, like in the car. You know, like I'm like my mom's not talking. Come with me. Let's see what's going on. She's not called yeah. me for like. Five oh, minutes. and, and yeah, and Josh, I would certainly be the person she wanted to see over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and then when we did meet you, I was talking to Rich, and I said, "I hope he doesn't take notes about us." Mm. What do you think? <laughs> you know. Def he what, definitely has notes about you, like, right over <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought, and when he's pretending to be working on the computer, I thought, he's paying attention to what we're doing. I know he is. So, yeah. Definitely so, not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. All right. I, yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> so I have I have to tell you when I was watching the show with her, <laughs> I had to kind of chuckle a little bit. Like, sure, because like, you weren't I, the mom, right? I, I had to chuckle a little bit, and I'm listening to the show, and I got to be perfectly honest. Finally, with you. it was someone not blaming me. I was very skeptical about um, the whole trans issue and thinking, well, you know, everyone has rights and we should be protecting everyone's rights and that. And, you know, I, I looked at it as just another thing. And the more I, I watched the show, the more I come to realize that the trans uh, issue is really a problem. And, and now the fact, until they uh, saw you, the fact that I was going on and on and on about it for like, what, two years before you even knew who Joshua yeah. Slocum was. Yeah. I had been going... Well, that's interesting you say that. Um, it's gratifying to hear, uh, obviously. Um, and... It not not just I mean not just in the cheap way of like oh well now you knew I was right all along that's the cheap part but the the really serious part about that is you know and Kevin and I do this because we care about these issues and they you know they we do think that they are as deep and as serious and as troublesome and as potentially dangerous as I mean I we say I know it's my face on here mostly every week and my voice. But, you know, this is no laughing matter. And we've been at the coalface with it, him and I personally in Burlington. And, and some of our friends have faced much more direct intimidation uh, than we have uh, from, from this crowd. And so knowing that it's possible, you know, hearing you say that, knowing that it's possible that if people are willing to listen, that, that they will be able to see that is, is, is good to hear. So thank you. The, the, the show, for me, watching it first being pretty much standoffish, like listening to it, like, what, what are you trying to pull here? You know, what's this about? And then to realize what's going on in the media on how it's projected, uh, it, makes, it makes your eyes open up and it's, it's educational. That's great, you know, thank that you. Kind of yep. I feel like it's kind of like psycho expose. Well, every little, every yeah. little, you know. Yeah, even, I mean, we it, think you. We've been talking the about small this. behaviors of like a cashier somewhere. You know what I mean? Just the observation yeah. of all of these like little cultural pinpoints that are, you know, kind of small. But then, like looking at how they, you know, all tie in and how they, you know, this. Yeah, I think you and I both had that same fe feeling, family. like when we, we were getting to know each other before, because of course the show is Kevin's idea, not mine. He, you know, he's the one who came up yeah. with, you know, let's make a show. Um, but you and I both talked about, I think we both noticed that modern life had started to feel literally like being in an episode of The Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. You know, and that all these little things that aren't connected and, oh, you're exaggerating, we were noticing them, you know? And, yeah. you know, that's, that's why the show became what it did. Yeah. <laughs> like we saw and, things that no one else can see. This will be used as evidence. To I, I know, I know. <laughs> see, just, see, they're, so they're we, just narcissists. We, they're just Machiavellian no, we narcissists. Special, we received messages, signals. <laughs> no. <laughs> What's that, Rich? A year ago, a year ago this time, Kevin came back for Christmas 
and we went to get pizza in mm-hmm. Corning and Pudgies. the whole thing about Pudgies pizza. How oh my God. Pudgies, and it was a black woman that came, we went to pick up the order and the order wasn't correct. And I just explained to her that, you know, that's my wife. And she flipped out on me. And they and, called and, me. And they had the order. It was infuriating. <laughs> well, it's exactly what I hear. Not not everyone's like that, but it right. seems to be happening more and more when you go to places for customer service. I know you covered it in your show before. Lots, and that, that's yeah. Something that's becoming more a societal problem. You know, they screwed up. Well, I don't know. It's the same. It's the same, you know. Yeah, it's, it's the same the, as every other. It's the same story, as everything. It's like, the drive-through. It's it's customer service on on eight hundred numbers to you know computer companies. It's everywhere now. But let's not let's not drag down the Christmas spirit, because uh, because really you, it doesn't take much to get me going on a negative rant. So um, he loves let's, Christmas. Christmas let's usually leave, keeps yeah, it, like, Christmas well is above my favorite this. holiday. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do enjoy visiting my family, um, except my mother. We'll be nearby. <laughs> uh, Richard, Judy, thank you very much for coming on the show. Thanks for joining us. It was nice to see you. Thank and now, you. now that we're friends, Josh, it's good to see you. <laughs> and Kevin, we're hoping to see you this weekend. Should be tomorrow morning. Well, no, this morning. <laughs> <laughs> this is the magic of television. Merry Christmas, yeah, you guys. Take good care. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas. Happy New Year. If you're just joining us, yes, everybody involved in this production of this Christmas episode is stoned. Affirmative. And we have a little friend to introduce you to. Look at my little friend. I'm missing my cats. I'm here staying at Kevin's house uh, before I go see my sister for the holiday. So I got a very nice young woman who's taking care of Mina and Shredder at home, but I do miss them. It is nice to get a little picture of them though when she goes over. But look what I have as a loner pet. Look at this little guy. This is Kevin's new dog. He doesn't yet have a name. He's a, look at it, do you see? Oh my God. I just, he is the sweet, he's a, um, I don't know how he reads on camera, but he's halfway between gray and black and he's a Labrador. He's 13 weeks old. Look, look at this little guy. Look how he does that. Look how happy he is. He's a happy guy. Yes. <laughs> he's probably going to run up and jump up. It's the end of the year and I was thinking this week about, well, actually, ever since that, um, ever since our episode last week, oh, do you really want to go? Are you going to, okay, stay for a little while. Stay. No? All right. Well, our little friend may or may not come back. But I was thinking about since our episode last week with that headline about don't wish me Merry Christmas from the Washington Post. Um... It's so ridiculous, but it's worse than ridiculous. It's soul-sucking. And I'm not a believer, you know? Again, I'm not gonna rule out another change of mind about that either. I've changed my mind about almost everything fundamental. So I'm not gonna say I don't, I'm not gonna say it's not a possibility, but I'm not a believer. I'm not a 
not a religiously observant person. And I can remember a time when I was a lefty where I, I wouldn't, I would never, I would never have said, don't say Merry Christmas to me. I have always outwardly taken holiday greetings um, as gestures of, of goodwill. I mean, I, I didn't always believe it. I performed it though, because it, even for me, it was too bold and too rude um, to throw that back in somebody's face. Even, even when I was a lefty, I could not understand the cold kind of anti-human rudeness of returning a holiday greeting, whether it be explicitly Christian or Jewish or Muslim, I could not understand that level of cynical anger and bitterness. And I can do cynical anger and bitter. But I did think, well, you know, Christians have this cultural hegemony and they just assume that all of us, you know, care about Christmas. I mean, I just, I could hear myself. <laughs> it's just obnoxious, but it's worse now. Like, you know, people used to make fun of Fox News when they would talk about the war on Christmas. And sure, they're like every media outlet, things are exaggerated and ramped up hyperbolically, you know. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> but there, there really has been a cultural war on specifically Christian, the Christian faith. It's true. The Christian faith is preferentially and disproportionately disfavored, accused of all sorts of moral and physical and legal crimes against other people. Um, and this attitude Another way to say it is there is so much darkness around us right now. It's grim. I'm more black-pilled than some of you, I know, because I have serious doubts about whether we are going to get out of this place we're in as a society without real pain of one form or another. I think it's going to get worse. So it's dark and it's grim. But there are there are ways to have a little bit of peace and hope. And Christmas is one of those ways. I think I've always felt this way too really underneath all of that. Christmas is a Christian holiday, but it's also a cultural holiday. It's also a seasonal holiday. It tracks with human, the way human civilizations have marked the ends of years astronomically uh, on their calendar. The shortening of days finally stopping and then the days getting longer again. So it's a lot of things. It's not anything that one particular sect owns. And you don't have to find any religious significance in this holiday if it's not there for you. Nobody's making you do that. But I, th I think we should take any excuse, not excuse, that's not the right word, 
any opportunity that we have to feel, to give love, and to take and to and to receive it from people that we care about, our families, if if our families are still intact, our friends, whoever it is that we love. Um, and I wish that for everybody at this time of year. I don't mean that in a soppy way. I really wish that. I think we need it. I think we always need it, but I think we need it now more than we've ever needed it. Um, and there's probably not much more to say about that. Um, and also I'm stoned, so I'm probably not as eloquent <laughs> as I would like to be. But I do wanna end by saying thank you to all of you who watch and listen to our show. Um, you're the reason we do it. We're still trying to grow and we're kind of a niche. Um, and it's not easy. And you take a lot of pushback and a lot of flack for saying the kinds of things that we do. And yes, I thrive on it sometimes. And then sometimes I don't like the consequences of it. So it's a mixed bag. But all of you in the audience who watch and listen to us every week, the reason we do the show, and especially those of you who have been financially generous and help us make this show through a subscription. You really are the reason that we can do this because we don't have anybody but all of you in the audience. So to all of you, thank you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year.